the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, indeed. Good afternoon. Welcome to the final, final day of February. You've been writing March 1st on all your paperwork today? (laughs) I've done that twice already. Leap year, and of course, that means we got an extra day here in the month of February. Only happens every four years. So if you're a little confused about that, don't worry. We're going to put everything back to normal coming up tomorrow. Well, I trust you've had a great week so far, and as we are here Wrapping up a Thursday, heading into a Friday and the weekend. Looks like it's going to be a wet, rainy one. So hopefully you're going to plan to stick close to home. Don't head towards Tahoe. They're predicting 65 inches of snow over the next three days. That means some parts of Tahoe, once you add the 65 plus what's already there, 14 feet worth of snow. You can just, you can take, you know, maintenance work on your roof, just walk up to it at that point. But wherever your plans might be, always appreciate you taking KFAX along and always a privilege to spend some time with you as we do Monday through Friday here from 5 until 7 p.m. We've got a treat for you today. Um, a guest who's been with us in the recent past and even way back in the day. Um, we're pleased to have with us today in studio the lead pastor of Home Church of Campbell, who also coincidentally happens to be a practicing lawyer. And they, I guess they say practicing because you're still figuring it all out, right? That's like doctors. It's not perfect. We're still practicing. Pastor Hector Moreno joins us today in studio. Pastor Moreno, great to see you. Welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. Wonderful to get a chance to get caught up and spend a little time with you today and Absolutely. Uh, talk a bit about the word talk a bit about the law, and uh, and let's talk just to start out with were folks that perhaps weren't with us the last time we had a chance to uh, visit together when we featured Home Church as our KFAX Church of the Week, um, the interesting meld of your ministry. Now, as a point of reference here for listeners, you've been involved in uh, family law, private practice for many, many years. You were the attorney that, that folks would occasionally hear about that would say, uh, I'm, I'm here to talk my way out of business. If you've come to me saying, but we're going to go straight to divorce court. Let's go to prayer first and That's see right. what the Lord does. And and delightful to know that down through the years, the Lord has been able to use you through this ministry of the practice of family law to help um, get some families back on the right track again. At some juncture, though, in the middle of all of your work in that arena, um, the Lord began to put a burden on your heart for full-time ministry. And the founding leadership of the home church was uh, ready to head off to the next chapter of their lives. And uh, God had something else in store for you as well. Just kind of bring us up to speed as to how all that came together. 
Well, uh, I came to faith, my wife and I, uh, at Santa Clara University in 1982, a long time ago. And at that time, I was uh, just graduating from undergrad and was considering seminary. And ended up uh, saying I need to take a year off because my whole plan up to then had been to go to law school and be a lawyer. My dad uh, is an attorney and my sister is an attorney. And so um, it was during that gap year that uh, I heard a, a speech at uh, my sister's graduation from Stanford Law School. And it really um, caused me to say, inspired me to 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 actually go to law school and practice law. so But I've always really wanted to be a, a pastor and wanted to be uh, involved in ministry. So I went to law school, ended up started, starting with the DA's office in Santa Clara County doing serious felonies. But at the same time, all the while, being at the home church then from 1982, we got married in 84, my wife and I. We have five kids and grandkids. But um, but from 82, when I started at the church, working in the three-year-old's classroom, um, worked in children's ministry as an elder and lay pastor, uh, for 34 years before I got the call to be the lead pastor. So it's been a long time coming. Home church is our home. That's our family. It just um, seemed like the right thing to do to say yes to that call. There must have been times down through the years, and, and uh, you mentioned about your involvement with the the uh, DA's office there, Santa Clara County Deputy DA, for a decade. I, I would imagine during the course of that time, um, you must have run into a lot of individuals that, yeah, perhaps needed some serious time to get their life right, but I would imagine an equal number of people that also demonstrated to you that what they really needed, besides maybe a little bit of correction by the law, was to meet Jesus? Oh, no question about it. There was one case that I had. I was trying to, it was a gang attempted murder case and there were four defendants. And this is in front of a jury over two or three weeks. Because there were four defendants, there were four attorneys for each, one for each defendant. And there just wasn't enough room at the two tables um, there in the courtroom. So everybody had to squeeze together. So for about two, maybe three weeks, I was sitting right next to, almost shoulder to shoulder, one of the defendants. And so we'd have breaks and other things. And he was Hispanic, and we had a chance to talk. And we kind of got to know each other over the course of uh, that uh, three or four weeks. And... Um, it was really interesting because when I gave my closing argument and I was saying how guilty he was and how guilty the others were and that they should be convicted and sentenced to prison, um, I sat down and when I sat down, he looked over at me and said, with tears in his eyes, he just said, you know, that was the most moving thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and here I am talking about his guilt. And I was able to talk to him during one of the breaks just about the fact that you know, um, that he, he understood that what he had done was wrong and that, um, you know, he needed Christ in his life. And, and so, yes, there have been many opportunities. And, and what a joy. I mean, when you look at this sort of big picture to understand that Christ came to set the captives free. Yes. And, you know, there are so many examples that we have in our own lives, what we read in the newspaper, the stories that we hear all the time about people that are struggling, that are dealing with the effects of, of the impact of sin and, 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 and man's, uh, man's innate fallen nature. And yet to be able to, to see the power of the word to penetrate a heart, change the direction of their, their, their heart, their thinking, ultimately their life. And even though they've maybe made some pretty serious mistakes in the past and made a lot of wrong decisions, to know that no one is beyond the power of the gospel to touch, 
to restore and to reconcile. And that's exciting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're all sinners saved by grace, every one of us. We all need grace. We all have received grace and but for grace. So it is... um, it's true for everyone. Everyone needs Jesus, and um, it's uh, and I see that in the context of family law, where I see broken people, people who are um, who had a dream that their family would be together forever, and they're broken. Some of them because they're the ones who have actually sinned against their spouse, and yet they're broken. And many have come to me and said, "You know, I'm so sorry for what I've done. My wife has filed for divorce." Um, can you help us? And, you know, and many times it's really irreconcilable. It just does not work out. But they still need Jesus and Amen. they still need forgiveness and they still need to know that, um, you know, that there's hope. What does that look like in terms of you, you mentioned about working in, in private practice and family law after a glorious career in the DA's office? And, and I'm thinking about the circumstances where couples come into the office or an individual comes in and says, that's it. I've had it. I'm looking for an attorney to roll up the sleeves. We're going to drain him dry of every nickel he's got. I'm going to make sure that I get 100 percent custody of the kids and she never sees them again. I mean, that's that's typical. The the kind of scenario in which a lot of people that are contemplating divorce, the kind of the headspace that they're in, but they come in front of you and you're there as a counselor, certainly related to the law, but the Holy Spirit's also operating and there's there's another dimension taking place in that very same office where you're going from a lawyer that's going to help take an adversarial role against the, the other partner in, in the marriage relationship, but instead you're also there as an advocate from a representation viewpoint for Christ. What does that look like? Yeah, so it, that, um, you know, that has happened almost exactly as you've, um, you know, described it. And um, the, the the practice of law that I have is that I'm a litigator. I was trained as a litigator uh, to try cases in front of a jury or in front of a judge to present evidence in court. And so in family, in the context of family law, I do the hot, hot, highly litigated divorce cases where they're just, there is no way to reach an agreement, so they come to me to present their facts. And so that is not unusual that somebody would come to me and say, hey, look at his background. That's the kind of guy I need to fight for me to get you know the most that I can possibly get. And in those situations, I let people know right off the bat that I'm a follower of Jesus and that I believe in marriages. And my wife and I will be married 40 years. Wow. And so we believe in marriages and that divorce is an absolute last resort. But there are times when you don't have any choice. But if you're coming to me and telling me that you want the divorce, that you've had a honey on the side, that you now you don't want to you know, do whatever you can to not pay support to your wife and to maybe get the kids and do these other things. You know, I tell them right off the bat that you don't want me for your lawyer, you know, because I'm going to be looking out for her more than I'm looking out for you. And so I make it clear. And so many times that's the end of the conversation and they'll leave. But there there have been times when they want to hear a little bit more. And I've had an opportunity with one person in particular who basically started out that way. And I said, so you don't want me, you want somebody else. And I referred him. And then he came back uh, months later while the case was still going on and said, I know you shared some things with me early on that I didn't listen to. Um, can we talk? And and um, we had a really good conversation. Um, he ended up coming to Christ. 
uh, we ended up, uh, you know, becoming friends. And um, so, but but yes, uh, that does happen. Uh, and when it does, it's an opportunity to really speak the truth. Let me ask you a tough question before we go to the break here. Um, this probably requires an answer both with your pastoral hat on <laughs> as well as your counselor's hat on. Uh, many marriages in California, we hear the phrase irreconcilable differences. Yes. But I have to wonder, from your perspective, Pastor Moreno, and from a biblical perspective, is there really such a thing, or is it a case where one of the two parties, or maybe both, are just not willing to give in, not willing to bend, not willing to confess, not willing to repent? And I ask that question because I think in terms of the larger context, that there is no one beyond the the ability of Christ's grace and blood to reach and to save and to reconcile and to restore. And I believe that that goes to the heart of marriages, too. But if we say irreconcilable differences, that almost kind of eludes to the notion that there's just absolutely no way. But is, is it largely conditional upon the heart condition of the parties or both parties? Well, Paul says we're ministers of reconciliation, mm. all of us, to reconcile, um, you know, a lost sinner with God with the Lord and and um, and the marriage marriage is God's idea and so he's the one who brings people together and says that you become one and so um, I absolutely believe that that no marriage um, is beyond God to be able to reconcile no none of the problems uh, that people have uh, no relationship is beyond reconciliation so I let them know right from the beginning but most of the time the reality is when they see me in the law firm they've already been through counseling they've been through they've seen their pastor they've been through a number of things and since I only see one side oftentimes the one that I see is what I would call the victim the one who doesn't want it Mm. but was served with the divorce papers and has no choice but to try to defend themselves and the, I can't talk to the other side because they're represented by counsel right. and so I don't get to, get to talk to them at all. Pastor Hector Moreno within in studio today. He, of course, is in private practice in the law firm of J. Hector Moreno and Associates and coincidentally also the lead pastor of Home Church of Campbell. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back. Our conversation continues today in studio with Pastor Hector Moreno. He is lead pastor at Home Church in Campbell and also an attorney in private practice doing family law with J. Hector Moreno and Associates in San Jose. Pastor, let me ask you the question on the air that I posed just before we were coming back from the break. And that is this, the question that fascinates me as we see the rate of divorce that's generally almost as high inside of the church as it is in the secular world, although some research that we've seen from Barna and Associates recently seems to suggest that uh, the rate inside of the church is not quite as severe as outside of the church, but that said, still alarmingly high. But I'm wondering, in, in your years of private practice, as you've, you've sat through multiple cases, in your mind, is there any one leading issue that seems to be more contributory than perhaps all others 
that drives couples into a divorce court? I mean, I know there can be issues of infidelity or financial stress in a marriage that can tear things apart. But but as you kind of look at maybe character-related issues, what, what seems to be the one that repeats itself the most that you feel is largely contributory towards divorce? Well, um, you know, many divorces happen within like the first 10 years. And uh, so often it's the couples come together and they're really not equally yoked. Mm. And so they come from different backgrounds. Um, they're not, one is a, maybe a follower of Christ and the other is not. And what the follower is hopeful that the, their spouse will come to Christ during the relationship. So they're not equally yoked from the beginning. And what I've seen as a pastor is, and in my own life with my wife, is that, you know, those who pray together stay together. And so if Christ is not the foundation to begin with, then all of a sudden, you know, there is, um, you don't have that foundation. And you, uh, what I've seen is it's just the age old, uh, you know, pride that gets in the way that somebody wants it their way. And they are not willing to yield. They're not willing to to um, be humbled enough to say, you know, I'm sorry, and or or that it has to go my way. Um, and so it's pride, uh, plain and simple, I think, that leads people to say that um, that they're not that their way is the right way. And um, and it's it's just all the other uh, lusts of the flesh, the pride of life, the you know, it's just those things that draw people away from their spouse. And once they're drawn away, it's really hard to come back. I mean, I've just had situations where with one spouse, when they're unfaithful and they connect with somebody outside the relationship, it's very difficult for to reconcile that relationship until that spouse who was unfaithful is willing to end that relationship, come back, repent, and seek forgiveness. And even then, it's really hard for the spouse who was sinned against to forgive. I think of the 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 illustration of of the triangle and God being at the top and the husband and wife at the very bottom of the point. And as they are moving toward drawing closer to God, you'll also notice on the incline of that triangle that they're also drawing closer to each other. Absolutely. Is the real key point then sort of the unifying factor? The the certainly one together in Christ, but that the importance of the strength of the individual relationships with God as they're drawing closer to the Lord and ultimately, as we say, drawing closer, therefore, to each other, that the real pivotal point is their relationship with God. In other words, if a couple comes in, I know you, you typically only meet with one of the two spouses, but but on, on that general basis, if you see a marriage that that's in trouble, does it typically say to you, either as an attorney or as a pastor? that the likelihood that one or the other or both of them are also struggling in their relationship with God? Oh, absolutely. And it's so often the case that one spouse, or when you're in a counseling session with both, that they start off by saying what the other has done. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's just not how it works as followers of Jesus. We have to look to ourselves first. And the log what, in our own eye. Yeah. So when we're willing to say, you know, uh, I have, you know, I have something in my eye. Can you help me take it out? And you're asking, you're humbling yourself 
then the other says, yes, I'll help you. Will you help me? But when you say, you know, you've got that log in your eye and you start, you know, accusing the other, then the other becomes defensive and then wants to accuse you. And so, but that happens less and less as we get closer to Christ, as we follow Jesus and get closer to him. And we realize that we have to look at ourselves first. And when we when we take ourselves to the cross and we say, you know, we ask the Lord to examine me um, and search me and see if there be any wicked way in me, uh, then you're not so quick, you know, to judge the other. But you're absolutely right. Drawing closer to Christ, we draw closer to our spouse in the process. And it does take work, doesn't it? I mean, I, I pose that question because I would imagine to many degrees the sense of being on the defensive is yeah. easy. You know, we get our dukes up, we're ready for a fight, we're ready to give you a laundry list of all of your faults, all of your foibles, all of your mistakes. And yet, when you suggest that there's a need to recognize our own faults and failures, that suggests a tremendous degree of vulnerability, not only towards our spouse, but towards God, the capacity to say, wow, I have sinned and fall short, mm-hmm. and I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I've got some mistakes. And I would imagine that toward that end, it, that takes some work, doesn't it, to, to, to allow yourself to be that vulnerable, both before your spouse as well as before God, as opposed to taking the easy way out and just say, I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to find all your faults. We're not going to talk about me. Yeah, well, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, it takes it takes strength. But that strength to do that comes from an understanding of who Christ is and realizing that his love is what draws us you know, to repentance. It's his love for us. And when we realize and we, we pursue that intimacy with him and in our daily walk, uh, you know, grow in intimacy with Jesus, then it's like I'm no longer afraid to acknowledge my sin before him mm-hmm. because I know that he's so forgiving and full of grace. We are speaking today with Pastor Hector Moreno. He is lead pastor at Home Church in Campbell. He is also in private practice in family law. J. Hector Moreno and Associates in San Jose. I'm going to open it up to some calls here. Uh, you might be eavesdropping on the conversation today, and I, I want to be clear in stating uh, if you call in tonight, you want some counsel, you want some insight. Uh, we promise not to uh, bill you on a five-minute uh, increment here. <laughs> but I would ask you for your own um, sense of privacy. Maybe just change your first name. We don't need a lot of details, but maybe you're right there struggling at this very moment, and you'd like to pose a question to a family law attorney who also happens to be a believer and lover of Jesus and also happens to be a pastor. Then I invite you to join us, 888 Six seven five three two nine eight 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 three six seven five three two nine. And again, I realize that it might be delicate for you to, to pose a question. Maybe there's an issue that you're dealing with right now in the middle of a divorce situation. It may be early on in the process. Perhaps there's been no final decree. Maybe it's related to a custody battle and you'd like to get a secondary opinion. We invite you to give a call. You can also keep eavesdropping, whatever you feel more comfortable with. If you do call and you want to get into some particulars, I would ask that you be as generic as you can and do your best not to give us any personal details. 888 367 5329 888 367 
pardon me, the frog right there. 888-367-5329. That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Why don't we do this? 530 on the dot. Let's take a brief time back out. We'll come back to more of our conversation with Pastor Moreno and to your calls as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation. And again, I, I you know, we're going to toss it out there. If you want to get some insight or uh, some advice from a practicing family law attorney, uh, again, I realize you may not want to get on the radio and discuss some personal details. Maybe it's just a quick question. I would invite you to call in. You can certainly give us a, a made-up first name if you feel more comfortable in doing so, or you can just continue to eavesdrop on our conversation. If you wish to call in, 888 that's 888-367-5329. Pastor Hector Moreno with us today in the studio. He is lead pastor of Home Church in Campbell and also, as we mentioned, an attorney in private family practice in San Jose. When you when you think about the ministry where you're you're involved with couples that have got a relationship that's on the rocks and there's kids that are involved and custody battles and and things of that sort that can be very painful especially for the kids if they're younger they don't understand what's going on they oftentimes maybe even have a sense of guilt They've heard arguments. Maybe their name was mentioned in the argument. Now they feel as if, well, mommy and daddy are doing this because of something I've done wrong. What kind of advice can you offer for parents that are in the middle of that situation? We know there's a divorce taking place. It's not going to be clean. It's not going to be neat. It's going to be messy. Mm -hmm. But in terms of steps the parents should be taking to do everything they can to protect the tenderness, the, 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 the sensitivity, if you will, of the children, what kind of advice would you offer based on your experience? Well, one of the the issues that you have is if, if you're going through a divorce and you're in the middle of litigation and there are custody orders, the custody orders make it really clear that you're not to talk to the children about the divorce. And so it's sometimes very difficult for the parent. I've got this child who's suffering because of the divorce, and I can't talk to him based on this order about the divorce. And anything I say it can be used against me because they go back and talk to the other parents and say, well, mom said or dad said. So one of the things that in the context of that kind of a situation, that it's very important that you can always tell the children that your mom and your dad love you. We love you. You are not responsible for this. This is nothing to do with anything you've said or done. This is because of mommy and daddy. This is things that have happened, and you are not responsible for this. And um, and then to get them into get the children into counseling, have them be able to talk to somebody else that's not one of the parents, where they have a safe person where they can talk to, and and express themselves. Somebody you trust, and a Christian counselor, a Christian pastor, uh, someone who can help. All right, let's get to your calls. We're going to start first. And Pastor, slip on your headphones there, if you would, please. We're going to start out with uh, Beatrice. Beatrice, good evening. Welcome. You're on Lifeline with Pastor Hector Moreno. Uh, good evening. Thank you for being here, Pastor Moreno. Sure. My question is, uh, what advice would you give for a Christian couple that's been divorced for eight years and still going back and forth in court? Um, the kids are have aged out now, but when is it time to throw in the towel and not ask for alimony and not ask for things that were in the divorce decree where the other person just continues to lie in court? 
So is a, is there a judgment of divorce where marriage? Yeah. Okay. So marital well, status is terminated. Yeah, 2017, the judgment, but the the other person doesn't follow it. So, um, and that's the thing. It's it's the the one who's who's uh, who's being harmed by um, the order not being followed is the one that has to make the decision. And so you have to decide, do I go to court and try to enforce this or not? And oftentimes the question is, is it worth the money? Because if you can't do it on your own and you have to hire an attorney, you have to say, is it worth spending the money to hire the attorney to go and get these orders or get them enforced? Um, When in the end, I'm probably not going to get even enough to recover my attorney's fees. But generally what I'm looking at is if if you were to come to me, I'd look at and I'd say, well, what assets are there? Does he have a job? Is there an ability to get a, a wage assignment or a, garnish, uh, a garnishment order where you can uh, just collect directly from his employer? Because uh, oftentimes the court will make an order that if he owes you $5,000, $10,000, the court will make an order that he paid at the rate of, uh, of 500 a month. And then you can get a garnishment order and that comes directly from his employer. You know, Is there an asset like a house that you can get a lien on? Is there a bank account? So you have to f- first look and see whether or not there's uh, a, a resource or a source from which to pay any orders. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. We appreciate your call. And uh, with Beatrice Call, that leaves a line open at 888-367-5329, 5329 Is the state of California doing any of better of a job from an enforcement position when it relates to a deadbeat spouse who has an alimony order, child support order, and just decides it's not a lack of resources. It's just a lack of willingness. Hey, she took off. She wants the kids. The judge insists that I pay all this money. You created the problem, so I'm not going to be participatory. Um, Does the state do any better of a job in trying to hold these individuals more accountable to actually following through with what the court has ordered? The the state only gets involved if it's child support. So they will will also collect... a spousal support order if there are children and there's a child support order they'll collect them both but if it's if there are no minor children they won't pursue the um, unpaid spousal support but as it relates to child support when I have people who come to me and say can you help me collect this generally I'll say you're better off going to the Department of Child Support Services because they are very good at collecting it, and they will seize a bank account. They'll, they'll, they have access to so much more information than I could ever have access to, and um, and so they will. Uh, they do a great job, as far as I'm concerned. And they've got some enforcement teeth. Absolutely, and they can take, they can suspend a driver's license. They can do a number of things mm-hmm. to make sure that the person pays. And what people need to understand is a child support order never ages out. The the, the kid may age out, and become 18. But if you have $18,000 of unpaid child support, it doesn't go away. I mean, it continues to uh, you know, um, take on interest. It continues to do that, and you can continue to pursue it. So it not only stays on the books, it accumulates interest. Absolutely, it does. Wow. And, so, and, and they, it, it doesn't get wiped away. So you can pursue it through the Department of Child Support Services. And it's a moral obligation. I mean, after yes. all, this is your son, your daughter. 
daughter, your kids, and if one spouse is principally responsible for raising that child and handling the expenses, it goes without reason, in my mind, that the the other spouse should be participatory from a financial standpoint. Yeah, of course. And it's um, from a relationship standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint, for sure. I want to circle back to something you mentioned before we, um, we got to Beatrice's call. And again, if you want to join the conversation, hop in with a comment or a question, feel free to do so at 888 that's 888-367-5329. In the midst of the throes of a divorce, there are untold examples, I'm sure, where one parent really feels wronged and feels wounded. There's bitterness, there's anger there, and there's kids that may be traveling back and forth, joint custody this weekend, mom's house, next weekend's dad's house. And so the kids sometimes wind up being used as pawns or tools, either sending messages back to try to get under the skin, so to speak, of the other spouse, or just being uncooperative. Well, I know I suppose they have the kids home by 7 o'clock Sunday night to be ready for school, but, you know, we went to Disneyland and it got late. I won't get them back to you till Tuesday. Playing those kinds of games or revealing, as you suggested in your, your remarks, Pastor, too much about the intimate details of the divorce that are very personal things between husband, wife, mom, and dad that the child should never Never be exposed to, and this notion of sometimes using the, the kid almost as a manipulative tool. What, what are your thoughts on parents that do things like that? Well, um, a parent needs to understand who's going through that. That this is your child, and you love this child, and you're trying to raise a healthy adult. And your 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 job as a parent to love them is to protect them. And if you involve them in your divorce and you use them as a pawn, like you said, or you use them to take messages to the other parent or or you interrogate the children when they come back from the other parent's house because you want to know everything that that parent has said or done so that you can use it against them, what you're doing is you are um, burdening this child with burdens that they can't possibly carry. And what you're doing is causing emotional and psychological harm that um, could be irreparable. Uh, and, and so you have to understand that in your attempt to try to win your divorce or get something out of it, you are sacrificing the children that you're saying that you care and love them. It love. could almost backfire then in that sense. Then you, you you think you're you know your dad was a no good son of a gun, and I'm going to let you know just how bad he was. That that can potentially backfire. Well, all of a sudden that that boy or girl grows up, and now all of a sudden the script gets flipped, and the negative impression is not about what dad, though what you've accused him of might all totally be true, but now all of a sudden mom is is on the outs with the kids just because they've attempted to do that kind of manipulation. Well, that child's going to grow up to be an adult one day, mm-hmm. and they're going to then look at what happened with adult eyes, and they're going to say, that was not truth, but what you were telling wasn't the truth. And, and I've seen adult children who... You know, who are their parents went through a divorce where they actually then leave the parent that they have actually been raised by because they've been they realize that they were alienated intentionally alienated from the other parent who really did nothing wrong and um, and so 
you know, you, you, you thought you won the, the battle, but you lost the war ultimately, and you lost your relationship for a lifetime. Pastor Hector Moreno with us today in studio. He is lead pastor of Home Church in Campbell, and of course, he is also a attorney in private practice doing family law. J. Hector Moreno and Associates in San Jose. We'll take a brief time out. If you want to jump in, we've got a few more minutes that remain in the hour. Again, if you feel comfortable posing a question on the air, but perhaps want to conceal your identity, that's okay. Give us a made-up name or we'll, we'll give you one. 888 That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I want to mention before we get to further on in our conversation today with Pastor Hector Moreno, uh, you're, you're eavesdropping thinking, did that fool just say call in the radio and get out in the broadcast and tell everybody what's going on in my marriage? Yeah, and I understand that that can oftentimes be a difficult thing to do. Uh, but I will tell you this, um, Pastor Moreno is going to be holding a monthly clinic and the next one's coming up this Saturday via Zoom. Tell us a bit about how that clinic works and what's available to folks. Sure. So we've had this free clinic since 2008, and we used to meet in person at the church. But now, um, because of COVID, we started meeting by Zoom, and it works really well. So um, it's a it's a time where myself and two or three other attorneys will appear, and all of us are believers. Uh, I start off with a, a message, uh, share just a, a little devotional, and then we pray, and then we go right into it where there's a half an hour appointment, and we can uh, address any issues that you have related to family law or if it's some maybe some criminal defense issues if there's a, a concern there civil general civil issues but primarily family law issues is what we deal with and again it's a half an hour consultation by zoom it's all free I mean, that's that's absolutely amazing. What a great service to the community. And again, if you want to get information and want to participate in this free law clinic, again, coming up this Saturday via Zoom, just call Pastor Moreno's office at area code 408-440-2575. That's 408-440-2575 and say, hey, I heard about the free law clinic on Lifeline and I'd like to find out how to sign up and they'll get you all taken care of. Let's Let's pivot to another uh, topic, but but within the same arena. The case where the spouse didn't see it coming, and all of a sudden they get stopped at work or coming out of the grocery store. Somebody asks them for directions and hands you suddenly a Manila envelope, and you've now been served. The 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 recipient is devastated, confused. All of these thoughts are going through their mind, and they don't know whether to call a hitman, call the police, call a judge, call a lawyer. What do you recommend to an individual in that kind of scenario that's suddenly been served with divorce papers? They didn't see it coming. Well, whatever you do, you have to make sure and read the papers, all of them, because sometimes they'll read, you know, the first sheet and it says you've been sued and uh, there's a petition for dissolution of marriage and they're just shocked and they don't read beyond that. But there are many uh, other papers that can be served at that same time, which could be a, a temporary restraining order could be served. There could be an order for re, uh, requesting custody and visitation or even a temporary custody and visitation order that the spouse received on an emergency basis that says that that spouse now has full custody of the kids. So first, read everything that you've received. Um, obviously, you're going to take some time and, and pray and be with the Lord over this and try to get his peace. 
call a close friend, call a pastor, someone that you can pray over, discuss this with and pray through it with um, and try to get the peace of Christ. But then at some point you have to, you know, basically pull up your boots and say, okay, I've got to figure out what's going on and not just to defend or protect myself, but maybe my children, maybe others, um, and find out exactly what is the extent uh, of what you have just received and what's pending. Now, there's a surprise scenario. I would imagine in most cases, this thing is progressing along and it's it's devolving day by day, month by month. And by the time one of the two in the in the marriage uh, contacts an attorney, um, the damage has already been done. But then questions arise. Do we, in the meanwhile, stay under the same roof? Who stays? Who goes? How do those types of decisions ultimately get made? Well, um, sometimes, uh, you know, it's the petitioner who really decides because the petitioner is the one who starts everything. And so the petitioner, if, if the par- if the the couple are not talking to each other, meaning they're not saying, okay, we come, we agree that we should get a divorce, maybe go to medi- a mediator and do it together, then one of them is making that decision for both of them. And that's the petitioner. So the petitioner has the opportunity to plan. And so oftentimes, for instance, um, if there are children involved, and the petitioner uh, may, may, may be a, a spouse who's the victim of domestic violence. And so they're doing what they need to do to protect the children and protect themselves. So what they would do is file a request for a domestic violence restraint or a temporary one and that involves a kickout order which requires the spouse to leave the residence and go live someplace else and that can happen within 24 to 48 hours of filing your request for that um, or you have another spouse who is and this is sometimes it happens where where they recognize that the domestic violence restraining order is actually gives them a leg up in the case whether it's true or not that they're victims of domestic violence and so with a, a simple allegation that my spouse hit me and you're willing to sign that under penalty of perjury, you can get that very temporary restrainer that we just talked about and kick your spouse out of the house. But ultimately, if there is no domestic violence, there are no temporary orders, then it's it's almost impossible to go through a divorce that's litigated and living under the same roof. So the question is, why would you? Oftentimes it's because you feel like, well, if I leave, I'm going to lose the kids or, or lose the house. Yes, economics. Mm-hmm. I have no place else to go. Um, so if assuming you own the house that you're in, then um, oftentimes it's it it's a, a good idea to move if you can, knowing that if your name is on title, you're protected. The court's going to protect you. You're not going to lose your interest in the house. And uh, the person in the house has to pay the, the fair rental value for the house. So that means they're responsible for maybe the mortgage and property taxes up to what the fair rental value would be. So it may actually be less expensive for you to move someplace else um, and not have to pay the mortgage and the rent because or the mortgage. Uh, Uh, and the property taxes because the other spouse is in the house. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Let's look at a potential divorce scenario where you know one side is not going to play nice. There may be circumstances where one spouse anticipating that something is coming or maybe the one who's the petitioner who's initiating all of this starts to do things like hide assets, move money, run up credit card bills, things that there's some people listening right now shaking their head. Yes, in agreement at the radio saying, yep, been there, done that. When it's a highly adversarial divorce, 
are there steps right up front that the one who is receiving papers needs to be taking in order to protect themselves because they have a suspicion or maybe already have outright evidence that the petitioner is going to be trying to move money and try to do as much damage financially to the other spouse as possible. Well, the petitioner, and oftentimes petitioners are not even aware of this, that once they file, there's an automatic temporary restraint order that applies to them immediately. And that temporary restraint order says you can't take the kids out of the state without the other parent's permission or court order. You can't um, sell any assets. You can't um, borrow money. You can't dispose of any assets without the other party's consent. So there's already a temporary order in place. However, many don't know about it and don't even adhere to it, so they do violate it. So then what you do need to do is immediately contact an attorney and try to get to court to get a specific order. And I've had this before where you know the party's trying to remove money from the account and um, so what you do is you go to court you get an order that says that the um, the, the party is restrained from removing those funds from the account and that the party is required to give this order to the, the, the bank so that the bank is aware of it um, and you can serve that order on the bank itself so that they're aware of it because even though they're not a party they see that order and they don't want to get involved and be at risk so they'll say okay well we're putting a hold on the account until we're told what to do and so you but you can get that kind of order within two to three days so the idea of i need to move everything ahead of time um kind of gets nullified i would imagine in the sense that these days the ability to to track the movement of money is so easy unless you're going to you know turn everything into you know cougarans and ship them overseas in a box probably pretty difficult to hide assets as opposed to the way things were 10 20 years ago sure and and if you you know if you're in a situation where somebody's trying to do that like you said i mean you'll know about it because there are bank statements and records but you're also to some degree protected people don't understand this because if you have a house and say you own a house and then Silicon Valley, I mean, in California, houses are worth a lot of money. And so you can end up with a million dollars of equity in a house very easily. Well, you have 500000 if you have a million dollars equity. You have $500,000 essentially as protection against your spouse taking up to 500000 from some other asset because that house cannot be liquidated um, very easily. And so, but if the risk is more than that, more than what you have in the house or you don't have a house, well, then the only only thing that you can do because once that cash is gone sure you may be able to prove they took it but how are you going to get it back and that's the hard part and so then you do if you have uh, if you get wind of it and you don't have an asset like a house that you should go to court and try to get an order final question tonight uh, pastor moreno for the individual that kind of gets blindsided as we've suggested earlier and seeking competent counsel critically important but they might say i don't know where to begin do i go to google do i go to the phone book and are there other attorneys out there that that take the approach that you do that say that you know divorce is ugly it does not honor god it is messy it is at all costs very undesirable but when things happen we at least want to be able to have somebody that is going to be sensitive towards trying to honor god in the middle of this mess as much as possible for somebody who finds themselves blindsided where do they find a competent family law attorney well um so the the, the what 
what we don't want is a general practitioner. You don't want somebody who does family law on the side. And is fighting a, you know, a dog bite case tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And a criminal defense attorney and everything else. I mean, because the, the family law is so um, complicated and the, the, the statutes are very specific to, to family law, that really what you should be looking for is somebody who is a certified family law specialist. I am not. So you wouldn't find me if you were looking for that person. But when you don't know anybody and you have no idea who you should turn to, right now you got you Google for a certified family law specialist um, because you know that that person had to pass an exam and they have to pass an exam basically or stay up uh, on their education every year. So they know exactly exactly what they're doing and find an attorney within the very county that you're practicing because they know the judges and then they know how things end up and so you can start with them and get the advice that you need initially you don't necessarily have to stay with that attorney but you know if you need help immediately you'll get competent help from a certified family law specialist. I want to once again mention, if you would like to participate in the upcoming uh, law clinic, that'll be this Saturday. It's complimentary and held over Zoom. You can get more information and to sign up for an appointment by calling Pastor Moreno's office at area code 408-440-2575. That's 408-440-2575. It's been a delight. It's amazing to think the hour has just flown by, but it certainly has. And I appreciate so much, Pastor, you coming in today to not only share your your heart, your burden for Jesus, but also your your heart and your burden for families that sometimes get caught up in circumstances that, while not honoring or or certainly desirous of the Lord, happen. And at least if we know that we can take the proper steps to protect ourselves, protect our children, that we can and should be doing that. Yeah, I just want to encourage everybody, if you're going through it or um, this is something that you're suffering through that um, seek the Lord in the midst of this and he'll give you the peace and um, to get through this you're not alone and um, you know seek out friends and pastors and others that know the Lord Finally, I'll mention uh, if you're new to the Bay Area looking for a church home, uh, you may want to check out Home Church in Campbell take 30 seconds and tell us about the ministry going on there yeah, so we're excited about the home church. We have been for a long time. It's been our home most of our lives. So uh, the home church is a non-denominational charismatic church. We believe in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and um, we have uh, we're just we believe in in building community, uh, uh, relationships uh, of love with God and with one another. And so we basically say connect, grow, and serve at home church connect with god and connect with one another grow in christ together and serve the lord and serve the world i love that sense of the vibrant community that's great stuff home church in campbell and again our thanks to pastor hector moreno information by the way about his law practice online at jhmorenolaw.com that's jhmorenolaw.com pastor hector moreno thank you so much for dropping by thank you craig thanks for having me all right speaking of churches we've got the church of the week coming up next for you just around the corner so Stay tuned. Very special guest to join us momentarily here on the Thursday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.